everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Fireside Chats with Clearfire. Tonight, we are going to do a start of covering the Obi-Wan TV series. And with me, I have the great Nick Dimianos right below me in the screens. So if you're with us on Discord, you can follow along, watch, and chat with us. But I didn't see anybody join, and of course, I didn't ask for anybody to join because this is kind of a new thing for Nick, and this is a new thing for me as far as doing the Obi-Wan series. And I want to have it clean, I want to have it fun. So let's roll on with that then. And Nick, how's it going, man? Pretty good, man. Sorry to keep delaying our conversation over this, but I'm finally glad that we got some time to do it. Oh, it's all good, man. You, you know, like I said, family and health comes first all the time. So make sure Absolutely. you take care of that family. Make sure you feel good. So that way you can actually enjoy the time chatting with me. Absolutely. So what else has been going on, man? I know that you've had a, a little bit of a health issue there with some headaches and then you had family over. So what else has been going on in your life? Oh, not much. Yeah. Just the migraine. Uh, we had family in town. I'm also found out that I'm going to have my side of the family come and visit us in uh, another week or so. So it's just bam, 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 bam. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Beyond that, just, just school, as you know, we've talked about it before with uh, me doing IT and now I'm learning data management, and I also got my certification for cloud practitioning, so that's pretty cool. Oh, there you go, man! Congratulations on that. Thanks. Yeah, no, that was that was I was losing my mind. I was, uh, you know, I I don't know if people know, but I, I do struggle with anxiety quite a bit. So that, like, I was peaks, peaks, peaks for for days on end. So I'm glad that challenge is done. So we got to see how this one goes, but beyond that, still same old thing, taking care of the family, playing a lot of video games and studying here and there. <laughs> Any like hot video game you're playing right now. That's like, you want to talk about real quick before we jump into this? You know what? I've been playing my backlog, so I'm still on red dead. I'm just like absolutely taking my time with red dead. And I love that game to death. I am still very disappointed with rockstar is doing with that and focusing on GTA. Now, don't get me wrong. GTA is a good game, but I mean, I think they put a lot more love and craft into Red Dead over that, and they're only going to see the dollar signs, which is upsetting. But again, I'm also back on Dead Cells, and you know how much I love that. Oh, yeah. So. Awesome, awesome. Okay. Well, then, let's just jump into this then and jump into Obi-Wan Kenobi, and let's talk about first impressions. So what was your first impression of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series? I loved it. Plain and simple, I loved it. For all its faults, I still thought, for me, it was an excellent epilogue to Revenge of the Sith. That's, I, I, that's how I see it. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. I mean, it was very well done. And just what you get to see and learn about Obi-Wan in that time frame that pretty much hasn't been explored in, you know, at least in movies and TV series. It might have been kind of tried to touched upon in books, but of course, you know, now that books aren't quote unquote canon anymore. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember reading anything on that time period, but, you know, it was interesting to get to see it play out on the screen and get to actually see Obi-Wan in a time of where Jedi struggled. You know, they just didn't have the support of the Jedi Council, which there was no Jedi Council. And they just, it was, it was great to see that. Great to see the, him go through the struggles of basically, you know, in essence, the Jedi Council abandoned them. I mean, and he gets you get to see the struggle of him dealing and coping with all of that. And I just thought that was a great way. And I think they did a great job of it. What I really loved was that they had somebody who was so altruistic and, you know, very noble and everything like he was like the heart of the Jedi. Like when, when you, when you think about it, he was like a true, true Jedi, you know, from everything, like with ideals and even faults, like, especially when they do with the expanded universe with him and like falling in love, he still retained his like Jedi code as best as he could. And what I loved about it was that he suffered like severe PTSD. He harbored so much guilt and, 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 and because of everything that happened, he, cut himself off from the force like he totally blocked himself out from it and i loved seeing that even though he was there 
to protect Luke and Tatooine. Like he was still struggling with his own identity and like, how is he supposed to live this whole new life as a hermit and, and being cut from the force, uh, you know, and then everything that he has known, everything he like from, from a small child and into adulthood, like everything was gone. And, you know, he felt that he was at fault for it because of what happened with Anakin. You know, Anakin was such a significant, he was, obviously he was the the true reason why the Jedi fell. And he felt responsible for that because that was his ward, you know, that was his Padawan, you know, that was his brother in arms and everything. So like everything pretty much became a lie. And like he harbored that that guilt and that resentment and everything. I loved it. I just loved it. They, they humanized him as a Jedi. Yeah. I mean, 100% agree with everything you just said. I mean, the humanization of Obi-Wan was probably to me, one of the better aspects of the show, just because you got to see him actually really struggle. You know, when you watched him throughout of all of episode one, two and three, I mean, he's like nobility, basically, you know, he's basically in line to become the next top dog Jedi. You know, he's just like that. And two, you know, you you said a great point there of, you know, he has such great and strong Jedi principles and morals. I mean, I would almost go as far to say he's like the gold standard of how a Jedi should be. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he even surpassed, in my opinion, he almost even surpasses Yoda in that aspect because he's so he he's in line with the ideals of what the Jedi are and tries to keep it as true as possible at all times, you know, and never really tries to buck that, you know, where you see Master Yoda, he he steps out, out sometimes, even though, you know, he's Yoda. I mean, mm-hmm. Who, who's going to tell Yoda not to do something? You know, oh, I mean, yeah, that's absolutely. like, uh, that's like telling my 102 grand, your uh, 102 year old grandfather-in-law not to go outside and go chase the cows. You tell him <laughs> that he's going to go outside and he's going to go chase the cows. Pretty much. So it's pretty much, you know, that's how Yoda is. But I mean, it was just uh, seeing the human humanistic side of Obi-Wan where he's actually taking on now the role of Ben Kenobi and not so much Obi-Wan. Which it's kind of funny because you're like Ben Kenobi, Obi Wan Kenobi. It's like you couldn't pick a better name to kind of hide yourself. You know that 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 always made me laugh. But I mean, he did a great job, you know, and he hid well until he wasn't able to hide anymore. Right. You know? And and that that's just kind of how the story plays and grows on that. So um, honestly, I don't know where all of this talk is going to end up leading us. I don't know if we're going to be able to cover the entire series in this one episode, because we're going to try to keep these short, kind of like I do with my fireside chats and just explore it. I mean, we can go as deep as we want or go as far as we want, but I really liked that first impression from you because I mean, explained it to the T. So, I mean, you, you could, I couldn't have done it any better. So, um, well, I guess let's just start with episode one. Like how did you, you know, I talk love, about the summon. Well, I mean, with episode one, I love the introduction. You kind of see what he does in the day to day. And, you know, he's he's just kind of. He's living that that's it. You know, everybody's a bit in that position. You know, you just got to go to work, whatever, go home, sit there, be miserable, repeat, you know, and that's that was kind of like, oh, yeah, that really hits home for a lot of us. I get it. Totally get it. Um, I love that. I was genuinely surprised to see like the Inquisitors just show up out of nowhere. It's like, oh man, they're really going to town already. And then you find out that it was another Jedi that was actually there and trying to protect people. And um, I, I don't remember which city it might have been Mos Eisley, but I know you know obviously Tatooine. But I like that they were hunting them. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, I never watched Star Wars Rebels, but I do like that they're starting to weave through all the different media and, and, and incorporating um, all, all these different characters from all that, all the media and stuff into the show. Um, and, you know, like I was actually genuinely surprised that Obi-Wan was like, you know, when the, the Jedi approached him, I was like, Hey man, I let's, let's get together. I need your help. You know, there, I'm going to die. We, we need to do something. And then, you know, Obi-Wan's like, nah, fam, I'm, we're dead <laughs> you know and and i and, and you could 
like even when he saw that you know the jedi was executed you could tell like i messed up like but he, all right i'm just gonna keep going doing what i'm doing and it was it it, it it really put a light on like, no, these Jedi are still getting persecuted. It's a witch hunt. And I like that. And I like that he's just trying to keep his head down for the sake of survival because he knows his his true goal is not for the Jedi themselves. His goal is to keep Luke alive so then he can train Luke, hopefully. So, um, you know, like he, he stuck by what he was trying to do, but he also kind of shunned when he shouldn't have. But, you know makes sense in, in the canon scheme of things, you know, cause then where would that Jedi be during episode four? So, uh, the way they introduced all the characters I thought was great. Even that, even that Jedi for like five minutes in the, in, in that first episode was wild. I loved how they introduced Leia. Like, I think they really nailed her personality down. It took me a minute to get used to, but that's just me with child actors to begin with. Like it's one of those, but like over the course of the show, like Leia she nailed Leia. Like she, she showed the mechanical aptitude of Anakin. She showed the fearlessness and, 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 and the tenacity of Padme. Like, I think I actually love that they focused on her and they fleshed her out so much more that, you know, because they really didn't in, in the original trilogy, you just knew she was just awesome. Like she kicked butt and she, she didn't, she never really felt like a damsel in distress, despite how they portrayed her in episode four initially. Like she was a warrior through and through. And um, now granted, I didn't really like what they did with her in the sequel trilogy, but that's another conversation. But what they did with her in Obi-Wan, I think they nailed it. Like the, I think they merged the two parents with her perfectly way better than they could have done with Luke. Oh, absolutely agree. Pretty much with all that. Um, one thing I want to kind of jump back to that you were talking about is when Obi-Wan was with that other Jedi <laughs> and when they met, because they met um, the other Jedi basically kind of chased him down into the desert and they were sitting there having a conversation there. And Obi-Wan basically tells him, take your lightsaber and bury it somewhere deep in the desert and forget it. The Jedi are dead. I mean, he literally says to that essence to this guy and it's just like, when you hear this from Obi-Wan, you're like, this is coming from the Jedi of all Jedis, mm-hmm. and he's saying to go bury your lightsaber in the desert and forget about it. This, I mean, it just clearly showed how down and depressed he was, but it also showed how heavily dedicated he was to his last mission given to him of keeping Luke safe. He wanted every bit of Jedi memorabilia, anything that could bring the Inquisitors to uh, tattooing to you know potentially put Luke at risk. He wanted it all gone. Yeah, and it, it just fits and it blends with it. You know, you see him even though he's struggling himself with you know working basically slave labor almost. You know where he does so much work to get these little bits. You see the same thing happen with Ray at her. You know where she's at in seven. I hate to call back to seven, but. I mean, that's just a good example because, you know, you see there's just this hard work he's putting in and he's helping other people around him, even though he's not using his powers. You know, he's trying to give them food, give them whatever to eat. He's even, you know, making deals with the Jawas to get parts and pieces. And he, and one thing I love it, it's like he tells, I forget the name of the Jawa that he's talking to, but he's like, when you steal my stuff, can you at least clean it before you sell it back to me? You know, I loved that because this is like, you know, they're just like, yeah, you got us. We stole your stuff, but we're selling it back to you. Yeah. Although it's dirty, but we're still sending it back to you. You know, so it was really funny on that. Um, I thought it was great. Yeah. No, th- his interactions have always been good. Like he's always been a down to earth person too. So seeing that still carry over was great. Like they didn't, what I did like also is that they didn't reinvent him. It's just a new stage in his life. Like they didn't, you know, they, they, he still maintained his personality to a degree. Yes. He's, you know, he's, he's struggling internally and you know, there's significant mental health issues that he has, which again, for somebody with mental health issues, I liked seeing that in somebody. So he was legendary. He was legendary. Him and Anakin were considered like the greatest Jedi during the clone wars. Like everybody knew who they were, you know, and everybody looked up to them. And so, and, and, I've liked seeing that it was just another facet that they added to 
the whole of Obi-Wan. And also what you're saying, like when he doesn't use his powers, let's be honest, he kicked a lot of butt. Just, just, you know, I wanted to say he was using Terracossi, but I don't know if that's considered canon anymore. But he was wiping the floor with so many of those stories. Oh, yes. And then, you know, just uh-huh. a pistol shot here and there. Like, I oh, love so that awesome. he was able to still carry himself without the use of the force. Like, he, clearly he's a warrior, but I mean, I love seeing they, they don't really show that. Like, you know, you only see a, uh, a Jedi or a Sith with a lightsaber in hand. And yeah, they use force powers. No, this guy, you know, he's like uppercutting mm-hmm. <laughs> stormtroopers. And I, I, I loved every second when he was doing those kind of uh, uh, fisticuff battles. And I love what you said, too, about them not reinventing the character. They did the same thing with Leia. They didn't reinvent her either. They just fleshed her out and gave you the backstory that you've always wanted to know, always wanted to hear where did she get all this from? You know, of course you're thinking, okay, yeah, Anakin gave her, you know, the knowledge and the force power and that side of it. And then that Amidala gave her basically the, you know, wisdom and the grace to carry herself. Also the, um, very much, you know, um, when I'm, I can't even think of the word I'm looking for, the adventurous side, the want to look into things and you discovery, you know, very much into that. But also, too, the very much diplomatic side straight came from Amidala. You see it play out so many interactions with the way that she carries herself. You know, even the, even the conversation with her adopted mother as she's getting dressed or getting ready for this meeting of uh, her family, her cousins that are coming over. She's like, you're, you, you could have been a, t- you're the, the young, one of the youngest senators, you're 10 years old and you could already be a senator now if you would just focus. And you see her always running off, trying to do an adventure, you know, quote unquote, running away, you know, for fun, just to have some fun and, you know, kind of, I guess, give her parents a hard time. Yeah, no, I think I think they they really nailed the precocious, you know, 10 year old for sure. Definitely. So so what did you think about the Inquisitors when you first saw them? Because I know a lot of controversy is, is how the Grand Inquisitor looks versus how he looked in the, you know, um, the Clone Wars, the, the not the Clone Wars, but the. Whichever series he was in, he was in the Rebels. Was it yeah. Rebels? yeah. So like, I never watched Rebels, so I don't have an emotional attachment to it. I mean, I get the gripe that, you know, he's not as accurate as he was, but I mean, they were stylizing Clone Wars. Yeah, he didn't have, I think, sharp teeth or whatever. I think they kept him more in line with the new Jedi uh, Survivor, the Fallen Order sequel that's coming out because they yes, showed yes, him yes, yeah. in the trailer. So just, you got, I, I think at this point, you got to pick your battles. Um, the the other the other inquisitors like i because i don't know nothing of the inquisitors i just know that they're force sensitive they're basically their own you know they're basically sith but you know they're force sensitives and they're other, hunting other jedi you know they whatever they've they whether they captured jedi and they turned them for after torture or they uh just like what they did with reva with the younglings you know they raised them to be to be the inquisitors now I, I, let, let's get it out of the way. All the, I'm going to call them out. All the losers that were doing all this racist stuff against the actress that played Reva, they could drop dead. I, I, it, she's an actress. They're doing the same thing what they did with Rose. Like, I didn't like Rose, the character of Rose in the sequel trilogy, but that poor actress didn't need to get be humiliated and, 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 and talked down to and all these kind of things. Like, I, it, you know, if you're one of those people listening, go F yourself. I'll be honest. Like, you guys, shame on you. But now with Reva as the character, I was kind of up and down with her. There were moments with her that I really enjoyed. There are other moments that it felt like a little bit too forced. Um, like the whole parkour scene, like maybe the first scene or two. Okay, that's pretty cool. But then it, it was like kind of drawn out, like in that second episode, like what's going on here? But she as the show progressed like when you start seeing her character development i was actually in i started getting more invested in her now there were some illogical things of course you know like the the a the a wing you know just kind of like floating in front of her and she's just like whacking at the air trying like that was like the only thing like i really just kind of scoffed at or like laughed at but to me as a character she wasn't bad there have been plenty of other star wars characters that could have been better or are much worse off but she as an actress didn't do bad at all she was not jar jar 
Jeez, no, yeah. It, if you're no complaining about if you're complaining about Riva, you must love Jar Jar because Jar Jar was just terrible character in episode Absolutely. one. Episode two, they made him a senator and put him off to the side and you didn't really hear much more about him. And that was great. That was mm-hmm. a perfect place for him because it was too much comedy and there was too much forced comedy. Riva, I felt like was so I think she did a great job with what she had, the actress, and I think she portrayed it well. I just didn't personally like the character, which you're kind of not supposed to like the character because she's bad, but she's like overdriven bad. Like she won't let go of something. She won't let go of this. And you never know what her intentions are until you get deeper in. And then you don't really know if that's her intentions or if she was coerced that to be that for that to be her intentions and And so that's kind of the weird twist there you didn't really get that part kind of really explained and delved out in throughout the six episodes and right and i think it's also the fact that um i think she might have overacted some of the scenes um but again, it could have been maybe like the way they did the cuts and the way they kind of mostly focused on her face, like maybe in like she had like a hard grimace a lot of the times. But I think if they would have maybe I could be talking on my butt, but maybe if they would have kind of panned out a little bit and seen more of her, her yeah. body language, like, you know, like she's kind of more tense and she's always like flexing or something like it just shows that like something is eating at her. I think it would have been a lot more than just seeing a, a, a strong grimace, if you will. I agree. Yeah, because the Inquisitors, um, it felt like they did most of the shots were like mid chest up on the Inquisitors almost the entire time. Yeah, and most like of them you were never working see, like this anyway. You, you, know? you never see you never see their full body very often. You do toward the end, but like. The Grand Inquisitor, you never really see him walk out. You see like a shot that pans up and then all of a sudden the pan skips from like waist up to all of a sudden chest up. And you're like, whoa, what was that kind of shot like that for? You know, it just never really gave you the you never really got that. And I think body language would have been in the best interest for Reva because I think it would have you would have felt more from her then you could have seen her posture and her postulating with 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 those expressions, how she really felt. Um, but like the first three episodes, I, I couldn't stand Reva the next, you know, the final three episodes, it's like, okay, now you're starting to actually really see Reva because you see all of that go through now, finally, and you finally understand Reva a bit more. So the first three episodes of Reva is kind of hard to swallow because you don't quite, quite understand where she's coming from because, you know, Sith, they're very much yes, master, if they're not the master and pretty much fall in line. She's not doing that at all. Yeah, you know, she's bucking it every step of the way. Eventually, there's a reason for it, but it's back to that whole statement I made earlier. Is that really her reason, or was she convinced that's her reason? That was kind of that you don't I, really. I do feel like her goals weren't lined up well enough, or I mean, I I understand the reasons when you get to the end of the show. Okay, I get it, but yeah, they, I think there could have been something done a little bit better to portray like her struggle and i i get it too like it's i feel like they made her reasonings a little too thin exactly they didn't really give it a hard path they just made it thin to be like okay here's reva thin there she's got her purpose let's move on yeah it was like a caricature of sorts like almost like a cartoon villain like she's just there for the sake of being an antagonist um and I think also just so they could be able to do like a one-off story for her and then completely forget about the character and that's it. Where, you know, like you got the Grand Inquisitor, which was the big twist that you like, you know, that big twist with him in the beginning and then at the end. And then like you can see that he's in Jedi Survivor, which is supposed to take place like a couple of years later. So I don't know how they're going to how they're going to do that. Like I was hoping that really it was the Grand Inquisitor and Obi-Wan going at it. I thought that would have been – yeah, that would have yeah. been more fascinating, but obviously they really just wanted Obi-Wan Invader. Like, that was really the whole show, Obi-Wan Invader. and it, That's what it ends up being, and it's so great how they do it, though, how they slowly play it out, because at the beginning, Obi-Wan doesn't realize Anakin's still alive. He doesn't know that. He's been in isolation for 10 years, so you understand why he's completely 
cut himself off of the force. You understand all of that because it's like once you finally think this man has been doing this for 10 years by himself, trying to speak to his master Qui-Gon that still hasn't spoken to him. And who knows how long it'll be till he speaks to him because you never it never gets fleshed out. And not at least in the first episode. I'll just leave it at that. Um, so it's just like you feel for him at this point. You feel pain for him. You actually feel some of the PTSD he's going through when you're sitting there looking at it. And the way they filmed it, it's just it's dark. It's, it's you can feel the depression. It's just beating down on you. It's wild how well they did it with that. I loved his reaction when he found out. And then they did that cut at the end of this second episode where it shows Vader's face like in the back. Yes. Of the that was that was beautiful i thought that they nailed that and then like you know in the, next, in the third episode he's just like you know like hyperventilating he's like trying to process the information it's like i thought i killed him i thought i left him for dead like what is going on like i i love that internal struggle that he was like and then he's got this 10 year old like dude old man what's going on you know like <laughs> you, know, you feel I, the fear though you feel the fear come through him of what about I do with this? Because he's like, I know how powerful Anakin is. I know that he's only gotten stronger because I've not been doing anything with the force. I've basically put it off to the side. How in the world am I going to get through this? You know, it's just, it's just so wild. And you see that. And oh my gosh, Ewan McGregor, when they decided him to be Obi-Wan back when he did it in episode one, you know, I was always worried a little bit about it, especially when I saw the first cut of him with the short hair and the little bitty ponytail and everything. I was kind of a little worried. Then I watched episode one. I was like, you know what? I think he's right for Obi-Wan. As you watch, he goes on and he grows into it. It's like, no, Ewan McGregor is Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah. When you watch, when you watch Obi-Wan, the series it solidifies that like it just nails it on the head. I mean, he's just so immensely perfect for the role and i so hope that he gets to do more but then in the same instance i'm like don't do any more i don't want i don't do I, I don't want to do more either but i do because it's like i want more of you and mcgregor playing obi-wan but i don't want more because i don't want it to break the mystique you know the same way i feel about about the movie solo it totally for me ruined han solo because you don't have the mystique of han solo anymore I you haven't know, even you get seen this, Solo. Don't so. watch it. Don't watch it. Yeah, don't ever I, watch it. It's 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 pointless. It's worthless. It doesn't give anything. It it, it honestly it takes away uh, yeah, from I heard, Solo. I heard I mean, it basically it, like it, it like all his accolades were in just one movie, and I'm like, oh no, why'd you do that? But um, oh yeah, they did all the accolades in there, and they don't even play on the friendship of Han and Lando. They just like oh Lando's some guy that's you know a uh, big shot whatever that he wins the millennium falcon falcon off of that's it that's about all you get out of that nah, it's just so, it's so depressing because it's like it's worthless you know and i had friends that were like oh my gosh this is so great it tells the story of han solo i'm like no it doesn't if anything it totally ruins the story of han solo what made han solo all so awesome was is he's this guy that we don't know a lot about that's talking about all these big things that's happened in his life that we haven't seen yeah and it's all happened that once. way yeah, yeah, it ha happened at once and happened in such the ri most ridiculous ways. It's like, oh my gosh, you're telling me that all of his stories boil down to a heist, maybe <laughs> maybe two three years of his life. That's terrible, terrible. So yeah, yeah it's frustrating. It was... I'm like, I've got to get off that before I go in there. But um, the way that you just learn so much about Obi Wan out of the series is what just just oh my gosh it ate me up so much. I was just so excited about it. That's why I've already watched it twice. You know, mm -hmm. I've watched the entire series twice already. It's just so it was just it's so it's so great. And I picked up on other little things the second time around. And um, I want to talk a little bit more about the first episode before we you know jump off of this episode because we're getting around about thirty minutes. But we'll you know we'll push it to forty five on this one. But that first episode with Leia, you learning about Leia and getting to see Bail Organa doing his thing, you know, it's it's great because you get to see his pomp and circumstance, a lot of his presence, and that was really nice seeing that and getting to see this role that he's taken on with Leia as her father and actually like being a father to her, knowing that that's not his daughter and being a parent that's thinking about adoption that just... I mean, it hit a 
I mean, it just hit a soft spot in my heart there, just seeing that, especially even his wife, even though she's frustrated with Leia. I mean, they're button heads because they're almost alike in so much in so many ways. And it's fun seeing those interactions and seeing how much that these two people have taken her in with open arms, loving arms, and just raised her in the only way they know how to as to be, a you know, to become a senator one day, which I mean. That's what she is. I mean, they, she she they nails it. it. They did it. No, and I love that they brought Sh- Jimmy Schmidt back. Like he, I mean, Jimmy <laughs> yes. Schmidt's a great actor. Come on. Like, oh yeah. Especially in Dexter. I mean, it be oh bad, gosh. I mean, <laughs> he. Uh, I love that they brought Jimmy Schmidt back. I also like because yeah, you only got to know the Organas from the prequel trilogy, and then you know, episode four, they're dead. We just know they died. They they might have been on Alderaan. They might have not, but you know, for all intents and purposes, we know they died there. So I like that they also they developed. You know, even with the short scenes that they got to share, they developed a very loving, familial thing. And then, you know, they're also very understanding. They 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 know, like, oh, we're dealing with Padme. <laughs> you know, they know yeah, how Padme I mean, is. So they yeah, like, exactly. And they want, you know, and because of the tragedy of the parents and everything like that, and they know everything about it, they want to ensure that this girl is just loved. And 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 they show that. And you know, and, and I, I think they did really well. Um, and that's so the thing about, with all the Star Wars is all family. But yeah, talk about what? I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Say that because what you're saying there is great. I want you to finish that. Well, I'm just saying thought. like Star Star Wars, it, it is. It's it's family. Yeah, the Skywalker saga goes through all nine movies. I get that. But I mean like it's it's all about family and it's not just family by you know, family blood ties. It's, you know, family yes. by, you know, the Jedi uh, family with, you know, Luke and everybody in the Millennium Falcon. There's family, you know, even with the sequel trilogy where you got Ray and, and Finn and, and Poe, you know, like there, there's, uh, there's bonds. There's like these strong bonds with everybody and, and it, and it shows. And I, I think that's kind of like, you know, the little thing, I mean, it might be a trope, Probably, but I'm saying like it. Um, I think when it came to when it finally came to actually showing a nurtured family, it was really just an Obi Wan between the Organas and with Leia. Like, because you don't. Uh, oh, you know. So and beautiful. I'm sorry with with Luke and 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 uh, Owen and Beru. Hope. Oh. oh God, that was <laughs> those two are straight up gangsters man i the love guy, that the guy that plays luke on a for not luke but um owen oh joel I Egerton? Absol- yes i love how well he does that he does it so well and you feel like he's the owen from episode four the very mm. cynical about the force very cynical about all of that you know look what you did with Anakin. You really think you're going to do better with this one is, you know, basically what he puts to, to, to Obi-Wan in one, in one phrase there in the first episode, you know, Obi-Wan is basically saving up money to buy parts from the Jawas to give Luke a little bitty like spaceship to kind of, you know, he wants Luke to know where he's from, you know, from mm-hmm. different places and everything. And Owen's just like, stop don't do this. We don't want this crap anymore. Basically is what he says. We don't want it. This not for him. We're, we were the ones chosen to raise him. We're raising him our way, which I thought was great because that's, Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a Papa bear right there. Mm -hmm. He put his foot down. He said, I'm taking care of this child. I got this. And he does a fantastic job of raising Luke. I mean, now granted they're on Tatooine moisture farming, which Mm -hmm. is probably the most boring job ever, but he's like, I'm taking care of Luke. He's my son, even though he's not, even though I know he's my cousin's son. He's my son. Mm-hmm. I'm taking care of him. And it just was such a great to see him make that stand and make that decision. And even when the inquisitors, you know, question him about a Jedi, when he just finished telling Obi-Wan, no, stay away from Luke. And Reva's in his face questioning him. He's like, I hate the Jedi. Why would I want a Jedi anywhere near any me or my family? I hate them. Yeah. No, I, I think... just laid it out like that. And he could have easily right then and there said, there's Obi-Wan right there. He's standing right over there in that corner, but he didn't. So he still has his principles. He still has his morals, but yet he is very stern and very to the point of this is my kid now. And I love that because it's 
once again, being a parent, you feel the parental power pop in. And it's just like so nice, you know, because like you said earlier, it's all about family. And it's so funny because you look at it, the family good side, when you leave your family, you become dark and evil. It's just like those breaks there because what family do you have on the dark side? There is none. And what little it is, it's so broken and so distraught because it's like, if you don't do well, I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not how you talk to family. Like on the light side, you don't do good. Okay. I'm sorry. Come on. Let's figure out how we can do better next time. You know? And it's just, you get the, that's so awesome. And I don't care if it's a trope throughout all of the star Wars stuff or not. That is such a great message and a powerful message being family per- people ourselves that just make you feel good about watching star Wars oh, yeah. and specifically this one, this, this one just had it great from the adoptive sides of the families to the real bonded families, to even other connections that we'll talk about in some other episodes that we'll record of this. Cause it looks like we're going to end up recording lots of episodes because this is just a, a lot of great, interesting things happen in this series. Oh, yeah. So, Let's start talking about the end of episode one and how that plays out. So how did you feel how all that started happening there and things moved on inside of that? I don't want to start saying what happened. Well, let me jog my memory. Is that that when uh, Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers and everybody grab grab her at the end? Okay. Yeah. So so Flea kidnaps her and Bail Organa contacts Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. through their communicators and said you're the only one that can save her you we need you you're you're the only person i trust you're the only one that can do this and obi-wan's like no i'm not leaving i'm not leaving luke i'm just here to protect luke i cannot leave luke and bail's like who's gonna save leia then they're taking her straight to you know straight to the dark side they're going to they're gonna take her to the inquisitors what are you going to do about this? And you get to see his conflict of, do I break my mission and go on this new side quest that bail that has no authority over me whatsoever has asked me to do. So I always felt that he used that as an excuse versus him maintaining his vigil now. Oh, 100% excuse. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it's both, but like, I really felt like he, he was terrified to leave and so was yeah and but i mean i thought it was good i liked that you know they brought the tension and everything it the reasoning behind them getting her so they can lure obi-wan out i think was a little far-fetched a little bit because i mean a little well i mean like far-fetched well yeah reva reva had to know that they had ties i mean she could have just straight up with i mean she probably would have gotten killed or caused uh you know diplomatic incident with the empire which is probably why she never did do it but um i i would have to watch it again just to make sure but i mean it was a little far-fetched it was like we're getting her to get him it was like well why did they know about her and, and not about luke when you know it was just it those are the kind of the little plot holes that I could see where people w- would point out. But I mean, I like, again, I'm just watching it for the sake of watching it. I'm watching it because it's star Wars. You know, I'm just there. I'm just here to enjoy the ride. I'm not the one that wrote the story. I'll just, I'll just go with it. No, I want to percent agree with you. I mean, Reva knew something that her character was not supposed to know at all. Like nobody knew, nobody knew that Leia and Obi-Wan had a connection other than Bale. You know, that's the only one because he got the twins from Yoda when Padme had them and he got Leia and Obi-Wan got Luke and they went their separate ways to keep mm-hmm. them safe. So the that's only way the I would only think, time. yeah, so the only way I would think is that she's just, just like, oh, I'll take Organa's kid and then he's going to send Obi-Wan to save, you know that that's the only way yeah. i could see it i mean if there was well, a, there's no other connection beyond that then okay yeah. but um i'm yeah, thinking she's be- using i mean in that situation i'm thinking she's using the thought of there's no other big jedi target we've taken them all out we're taking you know because she even says that you know we're fighting for scraps of chasing down jedi at this point you know so they're like the only big one we got left is obi-wan Mm-hmm. I am happy though that there was a reference to Quinlan Boss, so he still exists somewhere, mm-hmm. and he's pretty Absolutely. pretty awesome for a key part. Yeah, yeah. So the episode ends in a great way, and I like it because it's basically kind of like dark, 
Obi-Wan is walking toward the town, you know, I, I'm going to assume it's Moss Eisley. I mean, because it's probably the closest one to where Luke was. I, I'm just going to assume that. And he kind of walks up there and he kind of looks at this shuttle where, you know, he's supposed to get on to go to where Leia is. I forget exactly what, you know, where she's at. But um, he just kind of looks at it and this person says, you know, this lady that's basically boarding them, you coming? And then the episode ends, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. that's such a great ending because it's like, all right, great. Now we're fixing to have a journey. Now we're fixing to have an adventure. This will mm-hmm. be fun and awesome. And I loved how they ended that first episode with that. You coming? And mm-hmm. just, there you go. Because at this point you've not seen Obi-Wan really fight anybody. You've not seen anything happen that makes you think, Oh, this is Obi-Wan. No, this is Ben Kenobi right now. You don't have any force powers. You don't have any, just confidence at all he's a very he's a shell of obi-wan mm-hmm. and it's very just reluctant. like oh my gosh it's almost scary watching it but it was such a great episode you know, oh, I yeah i just loved it so oh yeah absolutely i, I there, like i said there was a lot of great episodes in that and a lot of character building i the way they just the way they they handled the writing for obi-wan himself and the way you and mcgregor portrayed him i just thought it was they i think they nailed that um everything else is around there i think is just noise and fuzz and just something fun uh but i think like the the main characters themselves dis- despite some of the misgivings for reva i mean i think they nailed everything especially like if we ever have another episode that we're just talking specifically about between the dynamic with anakin and, and obi-wan throughout the show i think they man that that i think that's why for me was a great epilogue I, I that was my that was my focus everything else was just part of the ride but my focus was i knew from the get-go the 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 rematch between obi-wan and anakin was what we really needed yes i mean i'm, I'm the same way it was just so exciting waiting for those to, those moments to happen and it didn't take long for those to happen. Oh, no. And, no, it was great. It, it's great. So it's really good. So, yeah, we'll definitely do an episode that's just basically focused on that whole Anakin and Obi-Wan. Well, Anakin slash Vader and Obi-Wan because you have the Anakin side in there and you have the Vader side in there. You've got the two splits there, and it's just it's so well played. So, um, I mean, I really hate to cut us off here, but I kind of, like I said, I want to keep our episodes kind of short and sweet there to keep things going because i want to talk about this forever like, oh yeah I'm just I'm just so excited about obi-wan like a lot of people kind of you know scoffed at it were like oh my gosh obi-wan and everything and i'm like oh no it's obi-wan oh, no man i um, was hyped as soon as i found out that you mcgregor was, was accepted and and hayden christian was, was coming i was like nope i am i don't care oh, if yeah. i don't have disney plus i will set it up for that month just to watch that oh yeah yeah definitely um so my buddy that i watch all the marvel movies with because we went and saw um multiverse of madness together on day one when it came out we also went and saw the word love and thunder on day one when it came out mm-hmm. you know i was talking to them in the movie theater um like right before thor started and right after thor started or right after thor ended and he was like I just don't know about this obi one thing i'm like go sit go watch it he's like well i've watched these other little these little snippets and everything i'm like these snippets lie because they don't tell you the whole story around it. Yeah, I get it. Okay, yeah, you see that snippet right there. Yeah, it doesn't tell you everything that created that issue. It doesn't tell you everything that's that's around it. You've got to watch the thing in a, as a whole and take it as a whole. The people that are telling you right now that it's terrible are only giving you the parts that they didn't like and then calling the whole thing terrible. So you've kind of got to do that whole thing right there. So. It just was one of those things of telling them to take it as a whole. Don't take it as a, as pieces and parts. So, yeah. And, and seeing that was the thing too. Like, I mean, I love Mandalorian. That was watching Mandalorian was the reason like it oh, yes. rekindled my love for star Wars. Cause I kind of was just after the sequel trilogy, I was like, ah, you know, I don't like how Disney's approaching it, but when they started giving autonomy with uh, Filoni and everything, then, um, you know, like I, fell in love with it book of boba fett i i didn't get a chance to watch it but i wasn't really interested to begin with like i still need to see some of the bando episodes that they provided in there but um watch the book of boba fett you can fast forward through the book of boba fett first two and a half episodes okay and then the basically from there on is basically mandalorian 2.5 Fair enough. Okay. I mean, seriously, it really is because it becomes center stage. I mean, there's basically two whole episodes dedicated 
that really doesn't have anything to do with Boba Fett at all, just to Mando and Grogu. Yeah. In essence, Grogu. Yeah. Uh, because he goes to see Grogu. So, I mean, it's just, it's great. And you get to see those characters. I, I that It's not one of my favorite shows, but I like it for what it gives to the relationship between Mando and Grogu. <laughs> it lets you know how tight of a bond that Grogu made to Mando and how much almost like Mando needs Grogu now and Grogu needs Mando. It's it's mm-hmm. wild and it t- it explains it so well. You get to see Ahsoka and you get to see Luke mm-hmm. both yeah, in the so same place. So that just makes it so I that makes that. it exciting right and there. I'm exci- exciting. I am excited for Ahsoka. I mean, I love I love Ahsoka Dawson. I think she's an amazing actress. So I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um I don't know if it's going to take place around the same time frame as Man- the Mandalorian series, or they're going to go. When it takes place. Yeah, so I don't know if it's going to go that far. Then because I know she's hunting Thrawn still, so that's mm-hmm. actually fascinating to know that Thrawn is still alive post Return of the Jedi, and I I have his I have the other the new book that timothy zahn wrote oh yeah of thrawn like i actually had him sign it like at the, one of the salt lake city comic cons so i, I don't really like you anymore about... oh i don't like you anymore i'm jealous of that <laughs> i was excited awesome. meeting you. i was like oh my god heir to the, you know heir to the empire trilogy dude you know i was like <laughs> ah! <laughs> you know so i mean i was happy to know to, to actually meet him in person and have him sign my book it's still sitting on my shelf i haven't even bothered to read it yet but i really i think i might do that if i hear that there's a confirmation that thrawn is going to be in the ahsoka series because consider oh, she's still I'm not hunting gonna anything him. All right. I'll tell you anything. All right, I'll, I'll start reading anything. it. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'll tell you anything. Um, so just you saying that, it reminds me of when I went to the New York City Comic Con back in 2019, I think. Went. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I got to met, meet my f- two favorite voice actors of my favorite anime, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z. I got to meet Sean Schimmel and Chris Sabat. And Ooh, they signed... And they signed my Dragon Ball Super Pop of Vegeta and Goku, the baseball box lunch exclusive box set. Nice. Two. I would and they even have. put like special signature on there when they weren't supposed to. They're like, no special signatures, just the name. That's it. He, they're like, hey, batter, and you're out and all that. Like, and they were so great because like when they st- like when. Um, Chris's bot started sh- sh- signing mine all of a sudden because they're like really side by side by side Schimmel starts yelling at him in Goku's voice and I just look at there and I just pale white I mean just so excited pale white and then he goes back in Vegeta's voice I'm just like I, I can't I don't know what to say I, I just was so excited you know it was, it was so awesome so I, I get would, I get would love to have Sabat yell at me as Vegeta or Piccolo that would have been awesome oh yeah he was it, it's, it's they're both such wonderful people too they're very nice they take the time even with having a mile long line behind them they take the time with each and every fan. They stayed there late, and it was so wonderful. I'm mad because Benedict Wong was supposed to be there that day, and he bailed, and I had my Wong pop with me. Aww. I had to actually buy this box lunch pop off of somebody in line to have it because I didn't have the pop I wanted for them to sign. And dude was like, yeah, I'll sell you this one. I'm like, oh. So I bought it, got him to sign it. It was so great, you know, so wonderful. But nice. um. Let's wrap this episode of Obi Wan. Um, definitely, episode one's great. Be prepared for it to be slow if you haven't watched it yet. Okay. Um, for all your listeners out there, I personally thought it was a little on the fast pace for a slow episode, but once you get into it, it gets really fast, really exciting, quickly. So if you haven't watched it yet, go watch it. Nick, what, what what would be your advice for people on this first episode? Just an open mind. Just just go in there and enjoy the ride. Don't expect anything. Just just enjoy it. If you were a fan of the prequel trilogy, or at least you and McGregor as Obi Wan, you'll see more of that, and you'll love that. Everything else, just take it face value. Make your judgments at the end. Absolutely. Don't judge it before you watch it. Don't go off of what you've heard from other people because most of the time they're only going off the bits and clips that they've seen and not the full ride full ride puts it all together and brings it all in perspective so 
All right. Well, with that, we're going to call it a wrap on this one. Guys, stay tuned. We're going to have more of these and probably make them come out as fast as we can because this stuff is great. It's a lot of fun to talk it. And I know that Hollywood's excited to hear us talk about this. So hopefully he'll listen to this really quick and hopefully we can lay down some more of them really soon because like I said, we've still got five more episodes to cover and dynamics and all that great stuff. So now I need to watch them all again. Oh yeah. Like I'm probably going to start watching them again too myself since I'm having to work late. I can flip on one or two when it's after hours and kind of just listen to it as I wait for the teams to finish up the during work. So it's going to be awesome. So guys from HUK, of course, this is Nikki T with us. Mm-hmm. I like to call him Nikki T and of course me Clearfire. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to listen to more of this and you enjoy what we're talking about, check us out at www.hnkexp.com. That's the letters H-N-K-E-X-P.com. Check us out. You can listen to us on all major podcast outlets. And we'll see you next time.